Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. If you would, go ahead and grab your copy of Scripture as you sit down and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 17. Luke, chapter 17. I'll give you a moment to get there. Luke, chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, we're going to begin in verse 11. It says it this way, while he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him, and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Verse 15, now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his feet, he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But the nine, where are they? was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner. And he said to him, stand up and go, your faith has made you well. This is God's word for us this morning. Let me pray for us once more. Father, we thank you so much for today. God, we rejoice in your goodness and your kindness towards us. We thank you uh, that we serve a kind God, a merciful God, a gracious God, a generous God. We rejoice in who you are today. And Father, I pray now the preaching of your word, your people would be fed and that you would be glorified. We ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it is good to be with you this morning. And uh, I just want to find out in this room today, uh, any, any dog people in the house? Okay. Amen, brother and sister. I knew the Lord was in this place. I knew it. Uh, cat people? Okay, we will pray for you. Okay, we will, we will lift you up in prayer. Uh, I love dogs, um, and I want to show you a clip of a dog because dogs are amazing. What you're about to see, a soldier who's been on, a U.S. soldier who's been on deployment for over two years comes home, and here is his dog's reaction. They were a little slower getting off the plane. No video? No video. Okay. I'll describe it for you. Um, (laughs) This won't be as uh, impactful uh, because I'm not a great actor. But the soldier comes home. He comes to the airport. The dog is just looking around at everybody's tails wagging. He's having a great time. And then he sees his owner, his human, and the tail stops. And then, like, he gets real still. And then he runs up, and the dog is just going crazy, like loud and all this. And he's like falling all over himself. He's just loud barking and everything, and right in the middle of the airport. And the owner is like trying to shh him, and the dog gets quiet for a second. And then he's like, he doesn't even care. 
He doesn't even care. He's so happy to be, just be back with his human. Now, you know, cats wouldn't do that, right? You know, like, you come home after a while, a cat would just be like, who are you? You know, like that kind of thing. Um, I love that, though. Dogs are grateful. They're appreciative of you. They just want to be near you. In contrast to that, I read about uh, Andrew Carnegie, a famous multimillionaire in uh, American history. He made incredible wealth. Oh, we do have a dog video? Okay, let's watch it. <laughs> Spoiler, I've already... <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, media teams. Give them a hand. Great job. So I know it was just like you thought, because when I, the way I acted it out, I know. I just. All right. Um, so I read about Andrew Carnegie, one of the uh, fam uh, very wealthy uh, individual. He gave a lot of his wealth away, but he also left some for his relatives. And I read about um, he, he left a million dollars to several different relatives, and one of them was so angry and upset that he left him just a million dollars. And keep in mind, this is the 1920s. Why? Because he gave like over 350 million to these other charities and things like that, and this person only received a million dollars. I think if someone says, hey, you've inherited a million dollars, the correct answer is yes. Okay, thank you. Oh, where do I sign, right? This person was ungrateful. And I just think about the contrast of the, the dog, so thankful just to be in the presence of his owner, and the relative so angry that he only received a million dollars. I've titled the message today, What Does It Mean to Be Thankful? Because it's an important question, and it's one we should ask ourselves, and because I believe we have so much to be thankful for. God is so gracious and generous to us every day. And so how can we learn to grow in this gratitude, this thankfulness? We're going to see three things today. What does it mean to be thankful? One, we articulate the cry of the unclean. Secondly, we accept the command of Christ. And third, we always call out with great faith. Let's get to it. First, we articulate the cry of the unclean. Go back with me there in Luke to verse 11. How does the story begin? It says, while he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. Let's set the context here for just a moment. Three questions. Where is Jesus going? It says he's on the way to Jerusalem. He's going to the cross. His time is growing shorter. He knows where he's going. He's headed to the cross. How is he getting there? He passes between Samaria, uh, which would have been foreigners to the Israelites. They didn't worship the God of the Bible. And then Galilee, where Israelites would have been staying. And why is he doing this? Because it's a divine appointment with these men. They don't even know it yet, but this is a divine appointment with Christ. Because there would come one single day in history 
when 10 leprous men would be here at this village at this exact moment. And there would come one single day in history when Jesus would be passing by this exact spot at this exact moment. It is a crucial divine appointment. Verse 12 and 13 tells us, as he entered a village, 10 leprous men stood at a distance, met him, and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Let's talk about leprosy for just a moment. In that time, it was a terrible, cruel disease. Today's, uh, in today's world, we have medicine that uh, takes care of that, and so it's not as common here in the West. But at that time, at that time, and, and in that context, it would have been a scary thing. Leprosy would have been like a slow, ruthless death sentence. Here's how one doctor describes it. He says, leprosy is a slowly progressing bacterial infection that affects the skin, peripheral nerves in the hands and feet, mucous membranes of the nose, throat, and eyes. Destruction of the nerve endings causes the affected areas to lose sensation. Occasionally, because of the loss of feeling, fingers and toes become mutilated and fall off, causing the deformities that are typically associated with the disease. So it's this horrible disease. It's like a death sentence. And I believe one of the, one of the things God is doing here um, is he's developing a metaphor for his people to understand how sin operates. The metaphor is this, a disease like leprosy was a way of showing what sin is like and that it deteriorates us, it destroys us, and how sin operates, uh, se uh, separates you from God, and that it separates you completely. For instance, this, this separation that we're talking about, how did this happen? In the Old Testament, God gives his people uh, some outlines for how to handle this. You say, where did social distancing come from? Well, here we go. Um, in Leviticus 13, the command is this, if he is uh, talking about if a person is suspected of having leprosy, he goes to the priest, and this is the instructions. If he has a reddish white sore on his bald head or forehead, it is an infectious disease breaking out. The priest shall pronounce him unclean. He must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. There was no cure. There was no medicine, no ointment, no doctor, no Hebrew emergency medical clinic you could go to. You were outcast. You were separated. Man, if you had a job, it's gone. If you had a family, it's gone. Not even a hug goodbye. You were separated away. All of a sudden, you were unemployed, alone, separated, and unclean. The only hope you had was that the disease would somehow burn itself out, and you could go back to the priest, and the priest would see if you were clean, and then he would say, okay, welcome him back. But that was rare. Leprosy was like this death sentence that completely separated you from fellowship, community, and love. You were marked and cast out. God wants us to grasp that's what sin does to us. God is perfectly holy. God is righteous. He's clean. There's no flaw in him. He is holy. 
And sin is when we reject God and when we go our own way, when we try to do things our way and we choose something other than God. And this sin, just like leprosy, it separates us from God. In fact, Isaiah 59 verse 2 says this, your iniquities have separated you from God. And sin makes you, just like these 10 men, unclean in a spiritual sense. But here's really good news. God hears when the unclean call out to him. How did they cry out? Verse 13, it says they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They raised their voices. Keep in mind, we already said that this affects like membranes in the throat. So this would not have been like some beautiful singing, you know, Jesus, Master, have, you know, okay, that's not beautiful singing. But like picture or think about what beautiful—it would have been some men's choir. Their voices would have been sore, this would have been scratchy and raw. But they're calling out with everything they have, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. This word is interesting. They say this word master, the word in the Greek is the word epistates. It is the only time in the Bible when this word is used by someone other than his disciples. It means things like honor, to have notable authority, to have power, to have miraculous power. That's what they're saying. When they say Jesus, master, that's what they're calling on. So it's like they're saying, Jesus, we know you're powerful. We know we're totally unclean, and we need you right now. And I would tell you, that is what gets God's attention. God hears a prayer like that. We could say it this way, to articulate the cry of the unclean, dare to be boldly unworthy before Christ. And I know that's sometimes hard to do when we come in here on Sundays and we look good and how's everything going? I'm fine. Everything's fine. Everything. Man, what God is listening for is someone who says, Jesus, I know you're powerful. I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've blown it, but I need you. That's what he's listening for. Think about resumes for a minute. A resume, as you know, is like a document to show your strengths, your skills, maybe when you're applying for a job or for a school opportunity or what have you. But I like to look at resumes that um, are less than stellar. Uh, I'll give you some examples. This first one here, you'll just see the picture. This is Andre, and they blacked out the real name, his resume, and it just says, oh, yeah. And it has a picture of a tank and a monkey answering a phone. I mean, it's awesome. That's amazing. Uh, but I don't know that I would submit that for my resume. Let's look at our next one here. Uh, I love this one. It just says, I have bachelor's degree, give job. <laughs> His name is Troy Green. I don't know. Maybe you would hire that person. I don't know. Like maybe in today's world, there's whatever. Here's one, a guy applying for a newspaper job in Ohio. Uh, a little bit shady here. He says, references unavailable. They all burned up in a fire. That's a little extreme. But then he says, under additional experience, he says, acting commissioner of a fantasy football league. (laughs) Now, I know there's some dudes in here today right now who are like, oh, he seems qualified. That makes sense. We should hire him. He runs a fantasy football league. Yeah, let's hire that guy. My favorite one, check this out. He, in his uh, introduction to his resume, he says this. He says, so here's the deal. I cannot compete with college degrees and fancy credentials. I've decided to highlight the best of what I have to offer. 
okay? And he goes on this little three-part journey here. Let's go on the journey with him. Part one, he talks about his experience, and it says he worked in telecommunication sales and installation. Okay, great. What else has he done? Part two, he was a graphic designer. And part two, it shows us he was a graphic designer. This is promising. Okay, good. This guy's got some work history. What about part three? He lists his other <laughs> as marijuana dealer and nefarious dude. And this is what he says, intuitive understanding of supply and demand economics. I bet, I bet. Good with money. Ran my own delivery service. Gained intimate access to very, several very exclusive county jails. And learned a valuable life lesson. I bet you did. I bet you did. Those are humorous, but let's face it, most people wouldn't put that on their resume if you actually wanted the job or wanted to get into the school, right? We want the resume to show the best of what we have to offer. And I think that's often the same when we talk to God or when we come to church. We want to put out our best resume. But here's a question. What if God isn't interested in the best of what you have to offer? Let me ask the question this way. What if God is more interested in the worst parts of your resume, your sin, your failures, your faults? What if God right now is listening for someone to say, God, I'm a sinner. I've blown it. Jesus, mercy, have Jesus, master, have mercy on me. I would tell you this, when you articulate the cry of the unclean, you have God's attention. That means you can be broken in church today. You have permission to not be totally fine. Some questions to consider. The enemy would love nothing more than to keep me distant from God when I feel far away because of what I've done. How can I fight that lie with truth? Will I let Scripture remedy my view of God so that I see Him waiting to hear from the sick, poor, and needy just like me? Secondly, am I willing to be boldly unworthy before God today? Am I willing to honestly confess my sin to Him? First, we articulate the cry of the unclean. Secondly, we accept the command of Christ. Verse 14 says, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. We could say it this way, to accept the command of Christ is to obey completely, even when you don't understand fully. 1932, game three of the World Series, Cubs and Yankees, fifth inning, tie ball game, four apiece. The Cubs have been talking trash to the Yankees, in a particular one player, you may know him as Babe Ruth. And Babe Ruth steps to the plate, tie ball game, third inning, uh, sorry, fifth inning, and he gets up to bat, and he takes the first pitch. Babe Ruth is the lefty. I'm not a good left-handed batter. Takes the first pitch, strike one. Babe Ruth takes his hand off his bat, and he points out to center field. You see the old famous photo here. Pitch number two comes down, boom, strike two. Babe Ruth again takes his hand off his bat and points to center field. Pitch number three, Babe Ruth crushes it straight out, dead on, center field, home run. Yankees take the lead. They win game three, and they go on to win the World Series. It was forever called the called shot. He called his shot. He said, okay, I'm going to send this one right over that field, and he did it. Well, guess what? That's what Jesus just did right here. He called his shot. 
Remember, we said if you were somehow healed of leprosy, you would go back to the priest, the priest would examine, and if you were okay, he would tell people, hey, he's, he's okay to come back into the community now. He's safe. He's healed. Jesus is calling his shot. He tells the guys, go to the priest. Why? Because the healing is going to happen. The miracle is already on its way. And I would tell you, you don't do this if you're just a nice guy or a good teacher like some people try to reduce Jesus. No, you do this because you're the Son of God and you have the power to do this. Ten men are counting on you with their lives. You don't say something like this unless you know who you are, that you're the Son of God. God is here. He's in the flesh. He's doing miraculous things. Now, this word, it says they were cleansed. This is the Greek word katharizo. I want you to just hang on to this for a moment. Katharizo means physically nothing was left. They were physically cleaned completely. Top to bottom, no leprosy left. Just hang on to that for a minute. We'll get back to it. We could say it this way. The command of Christ, when he says go and show, that is a call to trust him completely. If you articulate the cry of the unclean, then accept the command of Christ. Do you believe that Jesus can save? Then obey him. Do you believe that Jesus can heal? Then obey him. Do you believe he can forgive? Then obey him. 1 John 1, 8, 9 says it this way. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, look at this, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you want to pretend like you don't have spiritual leprosy, you're going to miss out. But if you bring it to Christ, if you confess your sin, man, he will cleanse you. These ten men acted in obedience. They did what Jesus said. They didn't stay still. They didn't stay in their seat. They got up and they went. Some questions to consider. In this text, as in countless others, Jesus reveals himself to be the Son of God who has the power to heal and save. Do I just know about Jesus, or do I know him personally as my own Savior, healer, forgiver, etc.? Secondly, accepting the command of Christ means I will take action and do what he says. Am I ready to take that next step of obedience? So we articulate the cry of the unclean. We accept the command of Christ. Finally, we always call out with great faith. Verse 15 and 16 says, Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. He's just like that dog reunited with his owner. Can you see it in your mind? He comes running back to Jesus, it says, glorifying him with a loud voice, falling on his face at his feet, like a dog in an airport. I love that. When was the last time you loudly celebrated God's goodness? I remember when I was in eighth grade, my family moved to San Antonio, and we were at this newer church, um, and they were a little bit more uh, vocal than I was used to. First Sunday we're there, uh, we're in the middle of the, the music time and we're singing, and right behind me, this guy just lets out this really loud, woo! And I thought to myself, I go to church with Ric Flair. <laughs> Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm like, the nature boy is here. The nature boy is in the house of God today. Wow, because I'm an 80s kid, I grew up in the wrestling. 
And uh, it was crazy. It wasn't the nature boy. It wasn't Ric Flair. Uh, it was a guy named Henry. And Henry had lived a hard, hard life. And God had saved him out of some really dark stuff. And so, man, he just couldn't contain himself. Sometimes he would just, in the middle of the song, just, whoa, praise the Lord. It was awesome. Henry was awesome. There was another guy. I called him the Luya guy. The pastor would be preaching, and he'd be getting going, and, and, and this other guy, I, don't ever, I never even knew his name, but he would just go, like, just real, like, deep from, like, in his soul. He'd just be like, Luya. He, like, he never would say halle, you know? It was just like, it was just the second part of the word, Luya. I dare you to try that. You know, what are we having for dinner tonight? Steaks? Luya. You know, it's just, ugh, you know, it feels good. Never even knew his name. I just called him the Luya guy. But like, he was loudly praising the Lord. God is okay with that if it's authentic, right? God is okay with quiet worship if it's authentic. But here we see this guy loudly praising the Lord. And the final results, verse 17 through 19, Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, stand up, go, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Always call out with great faith. That's what makes the difference. They called on Jesus from a place of faith. That's what made the difference for this young man. What about the nine? What did they do? One pastor says it this way, quote, they took the very best that Jesus gave them and they promptly got on with living their lives just as they did before they contracted leprosy, eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage without sparing him a thought. In Romans 1.21, Paul says, this has ever been the attitude of fallen man. Although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor give thanks to him. That means nine guys wanted a blessing, but they didn't want to have to live differently. Nine guys wanted a miracle, but they didn't want a Messiah. Nine guys wanted... Jesus to heal leprosy, but not be Lord of their life. Charles Spurgeon, another pastor, says it this way. He says, quote, all ten were willing to do a religious ceremony, that is, go to a priest. Only one was filled with true praise and thanksgiving. External religious exercises are easy enough and common enough, but the internal matter, the drawing out of the heart and thankful love, how scarce a thing it is, nine obey ritual where only one praises the Lord. This points us to what really happened here. What happened? We'll put it like this. Ten men were healed, but only one was saved. Ten men received new bodies, but only one received a new heart. That word we talked about earlier, catharizo, right? Physically, nothing was left. Well, guess what? Here at the end, verse 19, Jesus says something totally different. When he tells him, he says, to the one who returned, he says, your faith has made you well. That's the word for sozo. It's the word for salvation. This is what Jesus says to the one who returns. He says, your faith has made you well. You see the difference? The one who returned wanted Jesus and not just the stuff Jesus could provide. This was the one who was saved. Ten men got new bodies. One got a new heart. Ten men physically healed, one man spiritually saved. Faith makes all the difference. Some questions to consider here today. What do I want from Jesus? Just a physical blessing, some material thing, or do I desire the everlasting life and adoption into his family that he alone provides? 
Secondly, do I worship Jesus to get stuff from Him or because He's my Savior, my Lord, and King? What does it mean to be thankful? We've seen from this one man here, this foreigner, three things. We can articulate the cry of the unclean, we can accept the command of Christ, and we always call out with great faith. If you're still open with your Bible, you can turn to Psalm 103. We'll get there in just a minute. But what I remembered as I studied this passage, it's not that I learned something new, it's that I remembered something I already knew, but I forget. I have spiritual amnesia sometimes, everybody knows what I'm talking about. I remembered that God is worthy to be praised. In any cir circumstance, at all times, God is worthy to be praised. I want to show you one more quote here. It's a lengthy quote, but I think this is me so often. I think this is all of us so often. It's a guy named Charles Spurgeon. He says it this way. Look at this. He says, we often write our blessings in the sand, and we engrave our complaints in the marble. We do not praise the Lord fitly, proportionately, intensely. We receive a new continent of mercies and only return an island of praise. He gives us new blessings every morning, fresh ones every evening. Great is His faithfulness, yet we let the years roll round and seldom observe a day of praise. Sad it is to see God, all goodness, and man, all in gratitude. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for all His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. I've received a new continent of mercies today. I don't want to return a little island of praise. He's worthy to be praised. Scripture tells us over and over, Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the adversary. Psalm 50, verse 14 says, Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Pay your vows to the Most High. Psalm 100, verse 4, Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. Psalm 103, if you're there, you can look on. If not, just listen. This is what it says. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits, who pardons your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He has made His ways known to Moses and His acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sin, nor rewarded us according to our iniquity. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgression from us. Just as a father has compassion on his child, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He Himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are just dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind is passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no more. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, performing his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, you his hosts, who serve him doing His will. Bless the Lord, all you works of His, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. God is worthy to be praised.
Let me pray for us. Father, God, thank you for the permission we have to be broken, that you accept us, sinners like us, rebels like us. Father, we're allowed to draw near because of Jesus Christ. Thank you that it's not on our resume, it's on His, and His is perfect in every way. And Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, that we would come and find mercy today. We would come and find love and grace and mercy for our time of need. Father, I pray you would hear us now as we sing to you. You are worthy to be praised. Let us not return a small little island, but let our hearts burst forth with thanksgiving. We love you, Lord. Hear us now. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.